Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along with episode 514 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show, we'll be hearing from Damien O'Neill about his only Midlands gig with the Undertones. They are playing Coventry at the end of this week. We'll also be hearing from Musical Theatre Stafford about the Full Monty, which is on stage now at the Stafford Gatehouse. We'll be having a chat with the University of Wolverhampton's third year Musical Theatre students about their production of Chess, which is on the way. And we'll have music from Craig Joyner. That's all coming up, but first of all... Rupert, Rupert, Rupert gets its UK premiere. It is now available on DVD. To tell us more, the fellow playing Rupert, Sandy Bachelor. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? I'm very well. I trust we find you well? Uh, yeah, very well, thank you. Good. Now, Rupert is a complex character, a struggling actor, struggling to find love, and also struggling to know who he is in a bittersweet drama. So tell us a bit more about how this role comes together. Yes, so Rupert is is an actor. He's struggling in his life and struggling in his career. And this is mostly down to the fact that he has dissociative identity disorder, or DID, which is more commonly known as multiple personality disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, But things take a bit of a turn when he lands a part in quite a big theatrical production um, that suits one of his personalities very, very well. And the film kind of carries on from there. So a bit of a roller coaster ride, and it must have been interesting filming it, particularly having three different personas for the one character. Absolutely. I mean, really, it's it's actually kind of actors actors' dream part to be able to play uh, three different characters within the same film. It was a real treat. But um, but yeah, quite a lot of prep involved in that. You know, it's 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 difficult enough just trying to to research uh, just the one character. But uh, researching three was was uh, quite tricky, but amazing fun, absolutely fantastic fun. And, and particularly when you're going to very much be a, a case of explaining uh, a condition to to people who come and see the film, at the same time as making sure it it is true to life. So somebody who does suffer from the same problem as Rupert has, that uh, they they can see how not only can it be an advantage and a disadvantage, but also identify with you as you go through the movie. Well, absolutely. That's something that um, I've been very focused on, uh, is making sure that while we're telling this fictional story, it, it, it is, it's sensitively told as well. Um, but one of the things that, I've, uh, that, that we were also focused on as well is that, yes, it, of course, the idea is a really hard and frightening and difficult disorder to deal with. Um, but many people do. And also, many of these people have a sense of humour, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think often the way that people cope uh, or relieve the pressure of um, dealing with mental health is that is that they they can laugh about it and they have to laugh about it. And and hopefully we we have told it truthfully and sensitively, um, and that people who who do suffer from mental health. Uh, not not only can can see it truthfully, but can also understand that there's there, there's humour involved in it as well. But you did actually work with a psychotherapist to make sure it was a true portrayal, and they had got experience of working with people with this condition. And I think that helps with the realism. And as you say, it will also help with the humour because they will be telling you about their experience of dealing with patients who are you know normal people, day to day life. This is their yeah. real world. Yeah. 
you're absolutely right. These are, are these are normal people with with senses of humour as well. And yet we were really lucky um, to spend some time working with a psychotherapist a consultant um, called Russell Rose, really amazing guy who who has dealt with people and who deals with people, who helps people um, with DID. And he very kindly put me in touch with uh, someone who has DID, who I could speak to. A little bit more about it. And have they had chance to see all this yet? And have you sat with them and and experienced this film through their eyes? I haven't had a chance to to sit down because I mean the film's only only released today, mm-hmm. so I haven't had a chance to sit down with them and watch the film and gauge the reaction. But as far as I'm aware, they're really pleased with it as well. Absolutely excellent news. I mean, um, but such a good team you're working with here, uh, an absolutely amazing cast. I mean, you with your work in theatre and beyond, and the rest of the gang mm. as well. This is a really a good lineup, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, absolute dream lineup. You know, got a really, really uh, fantastic cast to work with, um, and uh, an amazing production company. In uh, Tom Sands, the director and producer, and Mick Sands, the, the writer, um, and substantial, substantial films, the production company, really, really top notch, making some really incredible and exciting films at the moment. And the whole story itself, it, it centres around uh, the, the acting jobs, the uh, making uh, the, the most of one of the personalities that Rupert has as part of this. Mm. But Rupert also finds love too, and uh, it also looks at the way in which those interactions happen uh, with Stevie, the makeup artist, and Daisy Keeping is playing her. Yes, uh, so that's that's when things take a little bit of a turn. He, he gets this part in the theatrical production, um, takes uh, great interest in, or is built, Builds a relationship with um, Stevie, the makeup artist, played by the amazing Daisy Keeping, um, and that's when he decides that actually thing, things have got to change. You know, he's been sort of coping with the disorder for so long, but actually, if he wants to pursue this relationship um, effectively, then yeah, he has to get some help, and so he goes to see a psychotherapist to help him try and work through the disorder. Well, it sounds like uh, an amazing journey to go on, and it must be a privilege to play a part like this. Oh, it's amazing! It's the kind of it's the kind of part that you you can wait your whole life for, uh, and I feel unbelievably lucky to have had the chance to to play it. Um, it a, a real a real dream part. Well, the energy, passion and compassion that have gone into producing this film, which is now in cinemas, also on digital Amazon Video, iTunes and Google Play. It is Rupert, Rupert, Rupert. Yeah, it's out now. Uh, It's available to watch digitally. And yeah, it's selected cinema release up and down the country. And, you know, I just hope people really enjoy it. I'm I'm really proud of it and had such a fantastic time making it. And I'm I'm really pleased to be able to share it with people. It sounds like an absolutely amazing project to be part of and a great story to tell as well. Sandy Batchelor, star of Rupert, 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 thank you for joining us. Thanks so much. In a moment this time, we'll have a chat with Craig Join about his cover of May You Never. But before we do, I think we ought to take a listen to it. Here it is now here on the Mill Bar. May you never lay your head down without a hand to hold. May you never make your bed out in the cold. May you never lay your head down without a hand to Strong brother of mine, you know that I love you true. You never talk dirty behind my back, even though there are those that do. Please won't. 
won't you please, won't you bear it in mind? Love is a lesson to learn in our time. Please, won't you please, won't you bear it in mind for me? May you never lay your head down without a hand to hold. May you never make your bed out in the cold. Like a good close sister to me, you know that I love you true. You hold no blade to stab me in my back, even though there are those that do. Please, won't you, please, won't you bear it in mind? Life is a lesson to learn in our time. Please, won't you, please, won't you bear it in mind? If you get hit in a barroom fight, may you never lose your woman overnight. May you never lay your head down without a hand to hold. May you never make your bed out in the cold. May You never know. That's out on the 5th of July in advance of all of this excitement around the single release. I'm joined by Craig on the line now. Hello, sir. Hello to you. How are you? Oh, very, very well. And uh, this uh, this is good to hear work that you're putting out there on your own because you've been a professional musician for over 25 years and written songs for all sorts of people, haven't you? I have. I've been very lucky from that point of view. I am uh, released an album in the, the late 80s with a band called Romeo's Daughter and we were we were just lucky to have a few covers off it, and um, you know, people came. I think, I think a lot of it was down to the fact we were we were produced by a fellow called Matt Lang, and uh, he's a very recognised producer, stroke songwriter in 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 the world, and um, I think because his name was attached to it, I, I kind of fell in at the same time. So it was kind of all right, you know. But uh, yeah, we've been very lucky, very lucky. But I mean, your music's featured on things like Friends and in yeah, stuff like yeah. Cold Feet. But on top of that, you know, you've had people like Bonnie Tyler and and Steps performing your tracks. Yes, we had after the first Romeo's Daughter album, which was the band that I was with. There was a song that I wrote on there called "Stay Me Tonight," and Steps did that. And also um, a song that I was, that I uh, wrote with Matt, which was called "Wild Child," and that that was uh, that was done and sung by heart. Actually, it was great actually because we went to the um, the arena in uh, in Wembley and. Heart opened their set. I don't know for the best part of five, six years with Wild Child. So it was it was an absolute privilege, an absolute privilege. Yeah. And it it must be quite strange, the first time hearing something that you've done, you've laboured over, possibly recorded, suddenly being put together by somebody else, and their different take on music it must give that song a whole new life. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The, the the strangest thing is when people say. Oh, this is so weird when that band did that song that Heart Heart wrote. You know, <laughs> we have to put them up on it. But um, the things with friends and uh, uh, and all those kind of things, I, I I did a lot of work for library music, which is um, you you write document uh, documentary music, that kind of stuff, underscore stuff. And um, 
you know, that kind of, um, that came from the deal that we had in the 80s. And I've, that's been pretty much my mainstay for, for quite a while. And, you know, and I've been writing, songwriting all that time. And uh, but as I say, when you're, when you're writing for TV and uh, uh, programs on telly and all that kind of stuff, a lot of it doesn't involve lyrical, uh, the lyrical side of it. It's just the music. But um, as I say, when you're writing all the time, you know, which I'm doing, you, you're always coming up with different melody lines and you think, oh, well, I'll, I'll keep that to one side mm-hmm. because that sounds like a song. So, <laughs> but surely it's harder to write something which is an underscore than it is to write something which vocals are going over because the vocals give you a top line. When you're writing something as a, as a background piece or to tell a story that you haven't even heard of and hasn't been written yet, it must be quite interesting putting that together. It's it's actually it's not as it's, it's not as difficult as you would think actually because for me a lot of the time with songs melody the, the getting the melody and getting the lyrical content is probably one of the most difficult one of the hardest things to do and a lot of times you'll write a song and you'll think to yourself well i, I love the backing i love the backing track i love the way that it feels but the melody line just doesn't quite happen and you just think well this is cracking because i can use it for library you know so um Everything's so uh, nothing wasted, shall we say? <laughs> well, I mean, I remember in what the the late eighties into the nineties when virtually every CD single, because they needed extra tracks to make it worthwhile, would put you an instrumental on, and it was never quite a karaoke version. It was always just an instrumental of the track, and and, yeah. and that in itself it gives you something else to listen to, and. and I think sitting down, if people had the opportunity to sit down and listen to library music, they would have an absolutely wonderful time with a whole new world, and it would open up their eyes and ears to an entirely different type of musical listening. Absolutely. At that time as well, you know, I mean, that was a, that was a lovely time to be doing that kind of stuff because you were still very much working in studios uh, with string quartets, you know, with different musicians, different drummers, different bass players, keyboard players. It was a wonderful time because you were still recording and playing in exactly the same way as you always did it's just in a slightly different guise and and the the, it was there was still pressure there but it was a different kind of pressure because you weren't pushed all the time and you weren't thinking i've got to get the next hit i've got to get the next hit you were thinking to yourself i just want to i want this music to sound as good as it can possibly sound and as all the different musicians came in and contributed to that you're thinking this is just it was fair. I mean, a lot of times you had to peel me off the ceiling, especially with string quartets. They were just wonderful people to work with. They really were. But again, your creativity writing the song that then is translated into something you hear four people sending back at you with, through their talent on musical instruments. And I, and I say, I know you play, yeah, so yeah, you know it, it yeah. must be though even more electrifying when that happens. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Now you're touring across the UK uh, throughout 2019, and this all ties into the release of the single, and also yeah. the release of the album as well. Yes, absolutely. Yes, it's um, it's something that's been a while in coming, but it's been one of those things that you you write a song and then you you're you're doing something else, you're pulled away. Because I've been very very fortunate to be a musician and and to be a musician for 25 years. And I've, I've been very happy and uh, I can't have asked for more, you know, to be able to pick up a guitar every single day and play. You have to pinch yourself. And um, but uh, so this album has been it's been coming probably for about the last five years. And I, I wrote a lot of songs, uh, probably about 20 songs. And I just took 10 of those. And so it left me with a few as well. And also I've been I've had a real writing spurt lately and um, I've put quite a few songs down. So um it all ties in really nicely because the the one thing about getting an album out is is that's one thing, isn't it? As you know, and then it, of course it comes to the second album. You think, oh my god, I haven't got anything. I haven't got any songs. So um, 
Yes, it's been really good. I've I've, I've got the had the opportunity to be able to just keep writing, keep going, and um, uh, just keep putting all these songs down. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing all this stuff. You know, I'm slowly slowly getting some gigs together and uh, just put, trying to put myself forward. Yeah. So. Well, the art of landing is the album. Uh, art of landing is going to be yeah. out. What probably latter part of this year is it? I would say I would say Julyish. You know, mm, the so, summer. So you know. in line with the single, which is all good. Yes. Yeah. Well, CraigJoinTheMusic.com yeah, is where you can find out more. But yeah. I mean, if yeah, this album it's going to be out there. People are going to be listening to it. Mm. Is there anybody you would like to to come along and steal one of your tracks as a cover version of this album? Cool, blimey, blimey! If Sting fancied a go, you know, you'd I mean, let him. You wouldn't mind, with that. yeah. I wouldn't mind, you know. I mean, if he if he felt that he was maybe you know drying up from a lyrical point of view or from a writing point of view, <laughs> if he was suffering with songs, maybe he fancied listening to the album. You know, that wouldn't be a bad thing. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, to have your song covered by somebody is, is, is a, a very big honour, a very big honour. And uh, just the fact that somebody else thinks it's worthy enough for them to do it, you know, and uh, and I suppose I'm in the same situation because I've, I've, um, I've covered May You Never by John Martin, a song mm-hmm. which I absolutely adore, you know. It's, it's just a wonderful song. He was such a great fella. Not that I knew him at all, but... Um, I would love to have done, but um, whenever I've seen him perform, you know, I, I started playing the song in my set, and somebody just said to me, you know, you should you should record that, you know, and um, and I did, and uh, the more I played it, the more I love it, and I, I still love playing it. I, I I really do. I look forward to it in the set every single time. So, well, we'll wish you great success with Art of Landing. We we'll let you leave it a little while before Sting picks up one of the tracks and and, and runs with that one. <laughs> Meanwhile, though, well, I think Italy's suffering financially, maybe. Well, he's got a bit of a Vegas gig coming up in uh, next year, hasn't he? So he might want to include one of them in that set list. We'll, we'll, we'll have oh. to get him a copy of the album over. Poor fella. Poor we'll have a word fella. with the PR people. So uh, we'll uh, continue enjoying your work, though. Craig Joyner, have a great time. Enjoy the album release and have a fantastic time on tour. And we hope to see you in the Midlands soon. Oh, Jason, thank you very much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure.
Romeo's daughter, Craig, join his band from the 80s here on the Milk Bar. The third year musical theatre students at the University of Wolverhampton have chess on stage at the arena on the 10th and 11th of May. I'm joined now by four of their number to tell us a bit more about it. We have George, Jess, Jody, and Reese. Hello to you all. Hello. Right, we'll, we'll, we'll start at this end. George, you get uh, an interesting part in the show because you're playing uh, the American and, and, and chess itself is a tale from around the 70s and 80s yeah. when there was this worldwide battle for supremacy at the chess yeah. table. Yeah. And that sounds like maybe a little bit geeky now, <laughs> but I was growing up as, as a kid, I was born in 72, so I was just starting to get the hang of this sort of thing. And this was also things on the telly all the time. And yeah. it's, it's a wholly different time, isn't it, really, yeah, considering yeah, to where we are now? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, we have kind of modernised it, to be honest, as well. So we have kind of changed the times with it. Um, but it's just a really fun show to do, and especially the character that I'm playing, Freddie the American, he's so fun to play. And, and hard at the same time, so mm. it's a really good, interesting thing to do. Uh, also, assistant one of the assistant choreographers for the show as well. So that's an also interesting thing I've been doing with it, which is great to be honest. It's, just, it's been a real fun ride. Yeah, because I mean, the, the show itself, I don't know much about. I haven't seen. I know yeah. uh, Murray Head played the part that you're yeah. playing, I think, yeah. and <clears throat> you get the song "One Night in Bangkok." I'm guessing based on that. <laughs> well, <laughs> originally yes, but the director likes it uh, sung we'll, by the we'll arbiter. Have words, obviously. Not that. No, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the other director. Uh, yeah. Likes the arbiter to sing that song actually, so I don't get to do that one in this show. But, but, it, but it's a big tune. It is the one that most people know from the show, yeah, without yeah. realising what else they know from the show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, there we go. now, uh, tell us about your role, Jess. So I'm Florence Vassi, and she's Hungarian, but she's moved to America to uh, be Freddie's second. So I'm like his chess advisor, mm-hmm. and I'm just there for him. But then a uh, relationship starts to blossom between us two. And then I switch sides and I end up falling for the Russian instead. <laughs> Reese, we'll come to you and this love interest in a minute. So he's, he's been a bit naughty in, the, in the, uh, yeah. the whole love triangle that comes out of this. Again, chess, is this something that you knew about before you started this? Have you played chess ever? Um, on on, your, on your phone doesn't count. No, no, no. <laughs> we used to play on holidays. So we used to go on like caravan holidays. And you know the little boards you can little buy? Little magnetic ones. Yeah, yeah, we used to play that. And uh, is it checkers? Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, we used to play both of those, but I could not tell you a thing about it now. Are the chess references in it too? So the, the, the moves and things, is that how they tell the story as well? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, there is bits in that, like, especially when I've been choreographing, I've had to really research into how the pieces can move and how yeah. I've had to replicate that through dance. So like, there is bits where you can probably spot, if you do know chess, you'll probably spot what's happening. Your bishops all move diagonally and, yeah. Yeah. and the queen can go anywhere. Yeah, 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 all that kind of stuff, yeah. It's yeah. been really researched into the process, yeah. yeah. So again, it, it's all part of the story. And, and this is again part of being a musical theatre study student because yeah. you're not just given a musical and directed and that's it there's yeah. someone who's one of the students directing yeah. and, or, or a group of you and that, that all develops into something that's, that's so much bigger than the, than the parts and yeah. it makes it a whole experience for everyone involved mm-hmm. absolutely yeah it, like i say it's like it's not just going in singing and dancing you're also doing other aspects of it as well so you've got people who are doing tech who've never done tech before and like me choreographing and directing there's all different stuff that we've all been chipping into just to get a really nice show together at the end of it yeah. so let's, let's move on to one of the directing teams so uh, <laughs> With being a director, I mean, didn't you fancy being in the show or how did it work out? You, you volunteered because you'd done some other bits before? I mean, I auditioned, but <laughs> I, I kind of really wanted to try uh, directing because it's something I've been interested in, but never really had a chance to do, especially mm-hmm. for musical theatre, like for drama and for plays. It's something I've done before, but not not really musical theatre. And it's been really interesting to see how that's developed. And, and again, when you are working with your choreographer as well and trying to and trying build to a picture like, for something like this. Yeah, and when there's so many different conflicting ideas as well because obviously I'm assistant and then we've got the director and then you've got assistant choreographers and assistant MDs 
and bringing all of those ideas together it's been it's clashed obviously yeah. but, but I think that's, part, that's, that's a good part it. of it though isn't it, yeah. it if, if it was too easy it wouldn't be a learning experience Definitely. for you as well so you've, you've got to have some sort of conflict there yeah. and, and this is the culmination of three years of study and the last chance really to get all of your group together on stage so it's one, one big sort of theatrical party for everyone really isn't yeah. it and it's, it's been great to like work on it and to bring all of this together and make it happen for the people in our production. And do, do you find, though, that you, when you're directing, you end up with favourites? You don't have to name names, but is it... Uh, is yeah. it I mean, <laughs> not necessarily just the, the people playing them, but the parts as well. So you enjoy directing certain roles more. Because I'm going to guess the whole love triangle thing I is quite interesting. It is interesting, but I think, like, with every character, there's, there's different techniques and there's different ways that I want people to come out of it. And there are so many different interesting characters. I can't really pick one that I like more than than the other. <laughs> Tricky. Okay, yeah. we won't push you any further. <laughs> so we'll move on to uh, the, the Russian in the piece. So we've had a Hungarian and American, and now we have the Russian. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Reese, this is a bit about your character then, because this is the one that, that shares a name with someone who's really around at the time. Yeah, the, my character's name is Anatoly Sergeyevsky, and he's originally from Russia, and he comes across to Italy, to Murano, to take part in the chess tournament. He wants to be the best. At the time, it's very unclear what his motives are, but he soon meets Florence and takes quite a liking to her, even though he has a wife and children back in Russia. Mm-hmm. Well, you also have to remember that at this time, uh, when you know, it was written in the 70s into 80s, because uh, it was 83, I think, this musical was first on stage, something around there. So we were all panicking about the dropping of nuclear bombs coming from the, the Russian direction. And, uh, you know, it, it was a wholly different climate to, to what we have now. And uh, the things we had to worry about were the same but different. Your character is, is very much the, uh, from, from the dark side of, of chess, to be fair. So, uh, you know, that, that must be interesting to, to, to play that sort of part in the show. Yeah, he comes in as the underdog, except he's got all the confidence of a would-be champion. He <laughs> believes that he's going to take this title and be chess champion, even though he acknowledges that Freddie is a very keen, very good chess player himself. A story which revolves uh, around love, uh, a game which was massive at the time, and, and still is in many parts, and some great songs. So, uh, w- and, some, and some Russian dancing as well, I recall, from having seen some of the, uh, uh, the stuff that you've been putting out on social media. So, uh, there's a little bit. And uh, do you have to like, star in that? I don't, unfortunately. No. So you get to watch. I get to watch. Yes. Even better. So, <laughs> but I mean, is it interesting coming to the dancing side of things? Because musical theatre is—it's just like riddled with dance, isn't it? Really. Yeah. The important thing is you can sing, and then you have to be able to act. But if you're a brilliant singer, sometimes they're not always such good actors. But uh, when, you, when you've got to do the whole lot and you're training, I mean, it must be interesting. Yeah, the challenge of putting all this together. Yeah, coming through education into performing arts, I did a lot more acting and singing than I ever did dancing. But my luck is I'm able to follow choreography quite well, even though I'm not the best dancer in the world. Mm-hmm. But you've got a good choreographer. We do, yes. Yeah. That's working quite well. <laughs> so it's going to be a brilliant show. It is, as you say, on at the Arena Theatre. It's the 10th and 11th of May. 01902 the box office number, or arena.wlv.ac.uk is the website. So get yourself along there, pick up your tickets, and come and see the third-year students doing their thing as they have been learning to do for the last three years and their big finale for their educational career so far. Who knows what could come next for these guys. But break a leg, have a brilliant time doing it, and we look forward to seeing you on stage. Thank you so much. Let's take another track now from Craig Joyner's 80s band, the one that had all the cover versions taken from them. This is Romeo's Daughter.
Musical Theatre Stafford are taking the full Monty to the stage of the Gatehouse from Tuesday the 30th of April through till Saturday the 4th of May. To tell us more about the production, I'm joined now by Craig Armstrong, their director. Hello. Hi there, how are you? I'm very well. I trust we find you well and you're getting the team ready to appear on stage. I certainly am, yeah. We were very, very close to the movies. We were very excited. Uh, very different production for the, for the uh, cast this time. And obviously a few surprises will be happening at the end. Uh, yes, well, I mean, you have been in this twice. So uh, you, you, <laughs> you know what's going on here, which means you have done the full Monty on stage a couple of times now. In fact, probably several over a period of runs. I actually did, yes. Uh, about 10 years ago, I directed it in Stoke-on-Trent, uh, two years on the, on the trot, and I played the leading role. So, yes, I actually did do the full Monty myself. Uh, so I know what the guys are going through at this current point in time. Yeah, it must be quite nerve-wracking knowing that you've got to stand there in, in all your glory on stage. And the <laughs> whole point of this is, these are not men whose physiques have been finely honed over decades, are they? The, the whole point is they are real men. At, and that is the point about it, yeah. They're real guys, all very different, um, all very different shapes, different sizes. I'm certainly not going to say these guys aren't, aren't home, because that wouldn't be fair on them. Um, <laughs> but, but certainly I wasn't uh, when, when I actually did the role. Um, but yeah, it's supposed to be about real people. And I think that, that's the joy of, of the, um, the film initially, and then the musical itself. Uh, it's, it's about real people. Well, we know we can expect great things from uh, Musical Theatre Stafford. I mean, obviously, you're formerly Stafford Operatic Society, and uh, you've won notice for Best Musical and Head Succeeding Business, and uh, it, what, so that was back in 2014, and then a nomination for your production of All Shook Up last April. So uh, this shows the quality of the work that you're doing, so everyone can come down and know that they're going to see an absolutely fantastic show delivered really, really well. Without, without doubt, yeah, the commitment is there. I won quite a few notes myself personally over the years for different productions in different areas. But yeah, it was great that the last production was Stafford. Uh, because that's such a great society, we also won the NODA and we had a nomination this year. So yeah, get yourself down there. Um, you are going to have a fantastic fun night. The, the great thing about the piece is it takes you through, uh, you'll be in tears, you'll be laughing, uh, uproariously laughing, and then obviously this, this, the great reveal at the end. Uh, <laughs> I won't tell you exactly how that's done, but we, we, they will be doing it. <laughs> okay, we'll uh, talk more about that uh, after the show when people are reviewing, I'm sure. So we're <laughs> That's going to be quite a treat. But, I mean, this, this is the, the musical version as well. So this is set in uh, in the U.S., isn't it? It is, yeah. It's set, it's set in New York State, uh, so very close to Canada. Um, but very much similar to Sheffield. It's, it's a, steel, a steel town. Um, people were made redundant, set in the 80s. Um, so they went through the, exactly the same uh, as the film in Sheffield. You know, people were actually made redundant, had lost um, any hope, really. Uh, and that's what I like about the story personally is you know that hope comes through uh, and there is a way forward um, so yeah even though it's not set in Sheffield as we all know it it is the same story and it has got the same feel to it and I say it's it's about having a, a good comedy night out telling a tale it is going to be you know say well done great performances and uh, a great cast and you know you can stand up oh. there and know that you're going to see some brilliant actors on stage Without doubt, and some brilliant vocals as well. Uh, there's some some really excellent vocals in, in the society, and there's some brilliant songs. So this is going to really work well. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, some songs that are emotional, um, some songs that are very very funny, but all of them, yeah, really enjoyable for an audience. Uh, there was a song in there that I, you think, oh, 
I didn't quite like that. Every single one of them's got something for it. And and there's uh, dancing in the show as well, which I choreographed. Uh, so the guys are doing really, really well and a big number. So, yeah, the, the, the dancing is, is probably a, a big challenge for them if they come to it. They're used to singing, they're used to acting, but dancing as well thrown in for good measure. More so, yeah, because not, not many guys are actually dance trained. And, yeah, there's, there's quite a bit in the show for them to do. Um, it's usually the ladies that get the opportunity to dance, but, you no, know, this time it's the guys. And they've really, they've really worked hard. I'm really proud of them. Well, Tuesday the 30th of April, right the way through till Saturday the 4th of May, is when you can see this at the Stafford Gatehouse. StaffordGatehouseTheatre.co.uk is the website. 01785 619080. That's 01785-619080 is the box office number, and you can get your tickets. And I, I think you, you're going to wholeheartedly recommend this, but uh, equally, uh, you know, as, as a node winner yourself, you know what to put into these shows, so you know that it is going to be absolutely top form. Absolutely top quality. Um, yeah, I've never seen anybody that's a good since going to see this show that uh, hasn't walked out going how fantastic. And this, these guys are as good as they have seen. Um, so get yourselves down there, please, because uh, you'll have a, a fun, phenomenal night out. So this musical theatre Stafford with the Full Monty at the Stafford Gatehouse, and it all gets going on the 30th of April. Craig Armstrong, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. at the Empire on Friday the 3rd of May to tell us more about the gig. I'm joined now by Damien O'Neill to tell us more. Hello, sir. Hi, Jason. Now, it's been 40 years since the release of your debut album, and that time yeah. must have flown by. That time seems to have um, flown by. God, like the blink of an eye, the blink of an eye. You know what, actually? I just realised it's also 40 years since we last played Coventry. Um, wow. I Yeah, I just looked up the webs our website, and I was looking, when do we last play? Surely we did it 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and then surely we did it, you know, 1983, 82, 81. No, 1979. Tiffany's, apparently, played in Tiffany's in Coventry in, 19, in May 1979. 
Well, for uh, Friend of Times fans from uh, across the whole of the Midlands, I mean, us here in Wolverhampton, we are happy to trek over to Coventry. <laughs> it's not too far away. And uh, but you, I mean, you're playing a limited number of gigs and uh, yeah. you're going to have a, a fantastic time out there on the road. And we'll talk more about you guys in a bit, but you've also got the Neville Staple Band uh, supporting yeah. too. So that's going to well, be a, an even bigger part of the gig to make it double, really bring it all together. Exactly, like a double bill. It's going to be amazing because, uh, yeah, Neville, we, we kind of, we've played a few shows with Neville in the past, just festivals. And he's well. It's such a great live band. So uh, that's uh, uh, that's going to be a great little package. The two of us together. Yeah. Which sounds absolutely fantastic. I mean, Teenage Kicks was loved by John Peel, and he got good taste in music. So I think it's fair to say that it it, it is worthy of the status you have for it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, we feel always feel so honoured that John Peel happened to love that song and says it's his favourite song, and you know, the epitaph on his gravestone and all that is the lyrics of Teenage Kicks. So it's yeah. What a what a great guy! You know, we I wouldn't be talking to you if I don't if it wasn't for John Peel, basically. Uh, well, I mean, the post punk era. Uh, try that in three, two, one. The post punk era, though. I mean, it was such uh, a vibrant time for music. And if you listen to Teenage Kicks now, it doesn't sound you know forty years old. I mean, the the, the no. self titled album, The Undertones, that's got to still be fresh today as well. Yeah, it, it's. I know. It's. Maybe, I don't know how. We kind of just the songs seem quite timeless. Um, just tennis kicks even alone the song um, the sound of it is it could have been recorded at any time it could have been recorded you know two months ago or something it just has this sort of exuberance and freshness that will never go away you know so it's great and there have been covers over the years as well which I'm sure is great for you guys financially yeah. it, it all helps but I, but that in itself I mean it's kept the music there and I still think even if you after you hear a cover you're going to go back to the original because it's just got the same sort of energy and then some hasn't it Definitely. Um, and funny enough, that was the first, very first time we were ever in the studio, and we sort of self-produced that, and it still sounds the best. It's the best sounding record we ever made. You know, even you know after that, we of course we went into many expensive studios that cost a lot of money and with big top-notch producers and all, but yeah. <laughs> we never captured that sound again. <laughs> but but it, it is sometimes that raw edge that can can make a difference, and and this is what you're going to bring to the stage in Coventry as well, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. We're we're um, we're really we're still flying on all cylinders. I think live uh, it was always our best. Our best thing was playing live. We always, it was our favorite thing more than making records, actually. So yeah, um, you know, we've been since we reformed about nearly twenty years ago now with Paul McLuhan on vocals instead of Fergal. It's been kind of it's been a great ride. You know, we've just been just playing playing all over the world really. And um, what's good about us live is we don't do it full time you know it's not constant so you don't I don't think we're, we don't we're not past we're not that too, too jaded mm-hmm. in a way or sort of just ah it's just an odd gig whatever so we're it's still fresh when we do play it's kind of special for us every time and yeah so everybody's hopefully everybody's in for a good time well it was back in 1975 in Derry Northern Ireland when you formed and I mean back in those days did you ever have any vision of it turning into something the size that it became oh god no not at all Jason we um you know when we first it was just for fun and, and the boredom, really, is why we formed a band. And then we started playing this little place, a pub called the Casbah. And, uh, you know, and that was that was great because we got, we, we formed life, life, lifetime friends with people and um, even met our future girlfriends, wives or whatever at that little pub and built up a little following. And then, you know, and that was kind of it. After a year and a half, we kind of, we weren't going anywhere, so luckily we got a chance to make that Teenage Kicks EP with Terry Hooley's Good Vibrations. And then we were going to split, 
but that course you know fit that is somewhere else <laughs> Well, Thankfully. I think time has been kind to you and the music, which is good. Uh, we've yeah. got this brilliant gig, which is taking place in Coventry, Friday the 3rd of May. It's at the Empire. Their box office number is 0844-771-000. That's 0844-771-000. And you also get tickets online via the ticketweb.uk website. Just look for the uh, Empire on there and you'll be able to find Great value tickets for the Undertones. £25 in advance. Doors are at 7 o'clock. It's going to be an amazing night by the sounds of things. There's going to be music to help you relive your youth or oh, your parents' youth. Uh, actually, dare I say, possibly your grandparents' youth. But it's going to be well worth getting along to, isn't it? <laughs> what was that? Sorry, I missed that. Or possibly even their grandparents' youth. But it's going to be good getting along to. Yeah, yeah, bring... <laughs> Yeah, all all generations will be there. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. Damien O'Neill, thank you, and we look forward to the gig, as we say, in Coventry Brilliant. on Friday night. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> Fergal singing on that one that you can see the band in its current lineup over in Coventry this Friday the 3rd of May. That's it all for this week. Thank you for joining us back with episode 515 next week. I'll see you then. Ta-ra for now. Goodbye from the mill bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the mill bar. Yeah.